right. Welcome to another episode of Considers This. Not Considers This. It is Consider <laughs> This. My name is Justin Ebert, and I'm one of the pastors here at Sunnybrook. And I'm excited to have with me in the studio today, Kyle and Rebecca Eastham. Thank you for being here. Sure. And another very special guest for me, my <laughs> lovely wife. Yes, hello. Deborah Ebert. <laughs> Deborah. It's my real name. Deborah. But I go by Debbie. Thank Debbie. you. She also goes by Debbie. Um, yes. And the Olivers, Stephen and Melissa. Hello. What's up? Good evening to you all. Thanks for being here. Um, you all get to hear from us a lot, the staff here at Sunnybrook. And one of the things we love doing is getting to bring in wise, um, spiritually mature people from among us. Um, who are not on staff, to share their thoughts on specific things we're talking about here at the church or um, teaching through, possibly. And we've got a, a quite a doozy, one that a lot of people have a lot of opinions on um, today. We're going to be talking about the roles of men and women, husbands and wives, um, both in relation to marriage and the church and otherwise. So, obviously, there are some differing opinions on the matter and we want to know, number one, how are we responding to what God says about it? And also, what have we experienced in our life, either growing up or in our marriages now? And maybe how we've had to respond differently to what God has taught us in the scriptures. Maybe we've had to alter some views um, from our past. So um, without further ado, let's get this thing rolling. Um, our first question is this, growing up, what were your thoughts or convictions about the relationship between men and women, husbands and wives? So think back to childhood. You know, Debbie, I know it's a long time for you, you being five years older than me. Um, wow. Yes. Um, Kyle, would you mind starting us off? What are some, uh, some memories you sure. have maybe concerning that? Growing up, we had in my house what I consider a traditional family model two-parent household, dad worked, mom, at least while we were kids, stayed at home, took care of four kids, raised us. That's a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And um, dad was, I would certainly consider him head of household, uh, although he was gone a big part of the time, over the road truck driver. Uh, and so I kind of saw him as, uh, an, in a different context, CEO, but mom was chief operating officer. She was the day-to-day um, and we didn't hear a lot, wait till your dad gets home, because she was certainly capable of handing out discipline. But if we did hear, wait till your dad gets home, that, that meant it was pretty bad. <laughs> um, she, you know, from the, the spiritual standpoint, uh, mom was more responsible for making sure we got up, got to church, went to Sunday school, uh, that spiritual development. Again, because dad was gone a big part of the time. If he wasn't gone, he might be sleeping because he was getting ready to go on his next trip in three or four hours. Um, so we missed having him there, but that was just the reality of, of his job. Um, so again, um, I'm in my fifties, so older than you all. Uh, so maybe there, I don't know if there's a generational aspect to that, those roles. Uh, but that was the model that I grew up with. Okay. Yeah, and I grew up with very much the same thing. Obviously, our parents are in their 80s now, so very traditional households. Mm -hmm. um, I think an added development at our household, my dad was career military and an officer. And so it was very, we were taught authority and to respect authority. Yes. And so for me, 
it was just kind of natural seeing those roles mm-hmm. because that's um, how his life was professionally. Sure. And so the same thing at home. I think he still, res- I mean, I saw him respect my mother, but it was clear who who kind of uh, had authority, if you will. And so I just, I really didn't know any other way. Yeah, um, there was a clear chain of command. Yes, right? yes, very much so. And so I think we were kind of raised to a little differently I think a lot just because of our age and the generational issues too. Sure, sure. And there still is. I don't call her dad Don. I call him Sir or mm. Colonel. Mm. So that's understood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I can I can understand that. Yeah. I I think one of the things for me, maybe a younger generation, right, generation um, behind, uh, growing up with parents who great parents, you know, loved each other. I knew they loved me. Um, that was never a worry of mine. I grew up actually at this church, and so I would say a pretty orthodox view of it. Um, but if, if one of them were to ever make a mistake, right, and the other noticed that, and I, me as the youngest child who always thought I was right and <laughs> the world revolved around me, I called them on it, right, as a fool, um, they would always honor the other still. That's one thing I remember really respecting. Even if my dad make, made a mistake and my mom was confronting me about that or if my mom made a mistake and my dad was coming to me, they always honored me or honored them. They weren't going to throw the other under the bus. And that was something I've, I learned and I wanted to, to emulate for sure as a husband someday, father someday. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've ever really struggled with the idea of, you know, men leading and men um, leading, whether that's in the home or in the church. That's not been a struggle of mine. If anything, it'd almost be probably the legalistic view, right, which I'm now going to build a hedge around the law which means if if God has made it this way, then should really should that person that woman be teaching up on the stage? Like I've had to think through that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm here at this church where we allow that, so that says something about how the Spirit has formed me or how I've interpreted the Scriptures, right? But I don't know, not been an issue. Um, Oliver's any childhood thoughts? I might mention my experience was a bit different, just in that my parents were divorced whenever I was five years old, and so. I grew up with mostly my my mom and would visit my dad largely in the summer and around holidays. Mm. And so I would grow up and see my mom whenever I was at my mom's house as the primary leader of our household, even when she was Mm -hmm. remarried to my stepdad. Um, In part, I think that's because our stepdad didn't go to church with us. But also it seemed a bit natural because she was the biological parent of the children. Hmm. So I didn't really think of it so much in spiritual terms as it was she was my parent. And so she's the one who largely parented us. But also looking back, she was also largely the spiritual leader of her household, too. I didn't really look to my stepdad for that. He stayed home on Sunday mornings, Mm. and that's just kind of the way it was, and no one said anything about it. And then when we were in my dad's home, my dad um, also remarried, and he he was the one who got us up and ready to go to church, and my stepmom would go to church with us, but he was the one who would— in the evenings, gather us around the table and we'd read a proverb according to what day of the month mm. it was. And so he showed leadership in that way. So I think it's um, just interesting how that played out with divorced parents, too. Yeah. So, but even though there was divorce, you wouldn't say, or would you say, there that it caused a hard time for you to understand like a biblical view of manhood, womanhood, roles and leadership, authority? I don't know if it caused a hard time with leadership and authority. It really uh, shaped the way I viewed and 
at first feared marriage for myself in general. Yeah. Yeah. So not necessarily the roles, mm-hmm. but marriage in general. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I grew up in a, a Christian household, but I, I grew up with a mom who was very much the spiritual leader in our home. Um, she was the one, I mean, she got us up for church. We went to church. We went to Wednesday night church. We were at Sunday night church, mm-hmm. uh, VBS. I mean, you name it, we were there and my mom was leading the way. And my dad, um, you know, he, he may or may not hear this podcast and I think he'd be okay hearing this, that, um, when the gospel was presented to him later in life, it was a very simple gospel, and that's that's part of the beautiful thing of the gospel. It can be simple, um, but for him, he was never really discipled into what that means afterwards. Mm. And so I think he understood leadership very differently. Um, he came from a generation of, um, well, both my parents are very blue collar, um, but he was just, um, like his spiritual leadership was provision and providing, taking care of for the, the family. Um but it, it didn't mean him going to church with us on Sunday. Sometimes he would. It just depended how tired he was, right? Cause, because his top priority was providing for the family. Mm-hmm. And if he had worked all day and all night the night before, well, then he was going to rest on Sunday. Um, and again, his simple view of the gospel, was, that's the Sabbath. It's rest. I should be resting. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing, right? So um, I would say a little bit of a skewed idea of what um, leadership and, and just kind of gender roles in the family, a little bit okay. skewed growing up. Uh, which definitely affected, I think, my my view on that um, early on in our marriage. So how how has that affected your marriage? So, um, well, I, actually, I said marriage when Mel and I were dating. Um, it's funny she doesn't remember this story, but it's a p- pivotal point in my life. Um, I had taken her to uh, um, my parents. We they have some land in middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, and I had carved out some some grass and I just burned a CD and we were just I was just going to take her and dance in a field that night. (laughs) I remember that part. She remembers that part. (laughs) I was going to say that's like (laughs) man that's a nice move right there. No 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 it was a clutch date. Okay Uh, good. uh, It was was good. You have really high standards Melissa apparently. (laughs) Uh, But no but then the date quickly soured. I mean we we danced for a little while and we sat on the tailgate of my truck and she started asking me these theological questions. And um, she she kept saying, how are you growing in your faith? Or how do you plan to lead me spiritually? And I'm like, well, I just wanted to take you out here and dance for a while. You know, did you not hear the country music? <laughs> Once you get past like going to church, uh, I'm out of that. And she said something. And she said something that was this is where it was very pivotal for me. She said something like, I don't know if I'm OK eventually marrying a man who doesn't who isn't taking his role as a leader and as a, in his own life and his own sanctification that seriously. Hmm. Um, and that was a pivotal moment for me uh, because it just never dawned. I had an, I had a model of my own father who, who accepted this simple gospel um, and it kind of had one statement of faith, which was love Jesus, you know, love Jesus and live your life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I kind of, I modeled myself more so after my dad than my mom who was, uh, who her understanding of the gospel was so much more deep and real and complex um, than my father's, but I, I chose to adopt my father's view. And so when Mel confronted me on the tailgate of, of my truck that night, I was I was kind of just completely shaken up and not sure what to what to do with that. So um, and uh, and I I'd like to think that I didn't really start focusing on my relationship with the Lord because of her. I wasn't trying to win her over. I believe the Lord used her in our relationship. Uh, which is what marriage is so much about. It's it's yeah. making each other more holy. And uh, so even before we were married, she, um, the Lord did that through her into my life. So, mm. 
So do you do you remember like a change? It seems like this was very pivotal for him. Do you remember like there was there was Stephen before where he was great guy, obviously planned some stellar dates, and then like oh I can see it. I don't even have to ask. I can see that he's growing. A change other than my hairline, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, I do see that. <laughs> I did notice that last night. <laughs> um, yes, I mean not necessarily like an overnight change, but mm-hmm. I think in general comparing Stephen's spirituality and and growth and relationship with the Lord just in general when I knew him as a friend beforehand and when we were dating as compared to I mean certainly in our marriage I would definitely say I've seen just a a ton of growth absolutely cool Isams how about y'all how has this your either your childhood shaped now into your marriage or what has this looked like in marriage for y'all I think for me as I've gotten older and um really grown in my own faith of understanding and appreciating more those roles not just the roles we think who does dishes Mm -hmm. and you know who mows the lawn not those kind of roles but truly uh that role of of leadership and um submitting and it's hard i we got married older and so both lived independently and um i'm kind of hard headed a little bit you know so um so really under the more i've learned to understand obedience in general as my as part of my own spiritual formation my own relationship with the lord that has helped me learn to understand then this relationship and um so that has helped me um maybe temper myself mm. or to respect uh his role um as that leader and to, and to crave that, um, you know, I wish I had been wise like Melissa to even ask some of those questions early on to, to know how important and vital that was to a good, healthy marriage. And so now I find I, I kind of crave that, mm. that more. And that has come out of sort of being open to the word, even when I don't necessarily like to hear it, mm. <laughs> um, being yeah. open to what that's supposed to do in, in my life, um, even in a role that it's about obedience and not oppression, you know, when you yeah. think of that word submit. It's interesting how independence, an idea which our country and our culture hides as maybe the most highly sought value, like or highly sought thing you can pursue, independence can be a real problem for things like submission to God or to submission to the scriptures or submission to mutual submission to a spouse, mm-hmm. right? So that's interesting to hear. Thanks for sharing that. Kyle, what about you, brother? Yeah, we joke sometimes that as, as long as um, we both realize that I agree that she lets me be in charge, everything works out great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not really like that, but um, Rebecca's very good. She's more intentional about spiritual growth, spending time in the Word, so that gives me some spiritual accountability. Mm. Um, and it's certainly not, um, it shouldn't be, and I don't think it is, my role certainly to be demanding or overbearing or my way or the highway kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's as Christ loved the church, right? So, um, part of, uh, and so I need to be more intentional about assuming that leadership role when sometimes I probably don't do that as well as I could, because if you're familiar with strengths finders, one of my strengths is harmony. (laughs) So I want everybody to get along. And so I don't want to suggest or say something that might be, controversial or she might not agree so it kind of go along to get along sometimes when at times I need to step up and say this is what I think is best for our family um, as God's servants Mm -hmm. one of the most difficult parts of leadership in any role is the conflict side 
if you don't do conflict, if you avoid it or do it poorly, it causes a lot of problems and eventually leads to an unhealthy relationship, whether it's with your wife, your family, your coworkers, whatever. And so, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Deb, uh, bring back the veil, pull back the curtain on the the Ebert household <laughs> a little bit, because <laughs> I'd be the first one to admit, like I'm not the perfect husband. What? Yeah. <laughs> crazy i know right i'm not the perfect dad i'm not the perfect pastor i'm not i'm not perfect at all in any way and that's not an excuse to get to treat debbie the way i want or to treat the kids the way i want or treat whoever the way I want, or do whatever i want it's a you know we need to realize that there's one who's perfect who we're attaining toward and there's always repent and believe moments within this to the scriptures to how the spirit is moving or how the the people of god are, are keeping us accountable to um, ultimately be more like Jesus. So what are some you know, specific or examples you have of this, good or bad, in our marriage? Mm-hmm. I think from when even like dating, engaged to married, like um, something we always talked about was like always wanting Jesus to be first. I mean, the, and I think that in our marriage, you lead me and our family by that an example um, well. And obviously not that you, when you fail, I feel like, most of the time, you own it. <laughs> true. I would say that's true. Not all the time. Um, and so, but you will always come to the point where you will, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I'm this can be the same way. But and I love that you lead in that way because we see that, like, honoring him and serving him. And, and sometimes, like, I mean, even being in ministry, like, really praying through, like, just, yeah, where time is spent and where things are going and how we always went to, okay, Lord, where like, yeah, where do you want us to be? And then how do we keep our marriage and our family growing and healthy? And um, anyway, so I feel like you lead well in those in those ways, if that makes sense. And I think that we kind of go through stages, like in like our, um, we make goals where you can, we, you can lead in yes. that of like, okay, let's pray. We're going to pray together every night and we do really well for a while. And then <laughs> that fades after a while, like life just comes. And so like specific things like that, I think we have seasons where we do really well, where we're together as a couple, like growing in where we can encourage one another on our individual time with the Lord. And um, I think one thing, I think it's also because I'm thankful for this. We started with our children as babies, like we're going to read the Bible every night. And that's not like 100% of the time, but it's a lot of that. It's most nights. And I'm always very thankful for that, that we have instilled that within. That's something that as a child, like I wasn't in the word until I was 15 and a Christian, like, and then, and I had no clue how to read the Bible. And so I love that we get to walk through that with our kids and we have kind of been a precedent and our precedent in our family that we've always done that. But, um, I think for us, um, and like those things, I think we can have great ideas of things we want to do and we can fall off after a while, but is that, yeah, no, I think, I I think the thing I remember most you telling me very clearly and very often during big moments of our life is I'll follow you anywhere. Yeah. I'll follow you anywhere and I'm never leaving. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's you saying, like, I trust you. I trust that you're pointing yourself toward Jesus. And that means I can trust you. And also, like, remember the covenant we made. And I'm not, there's nothing you could do that's going to cause me to leave. Mm-hmm. And so, no matter how stupid I am or how long it takes me to come back and repent or say I was wrong, yeah. it's I'm here. Right. Mm-hmm. We could have a, a blow up fight that was not handled the right way on either side mm-hmm. and come back and repent like this isn't okay we can't do that again mm-hmm. we need to fix this and so same with decisions i think I, i'm trying to think all the big decisions we've had we've moved what 
Stillwater to Joplin, Joplin to Wichita, Wichita to Stillwater. So three moves. And we've been married for not six, like not quite six years. But yeah. yeah. And then the three kids. Well, we have a kid on the way. So if you didn't know that, <laughs> there it is. Um, a few boy. miscarriages, whatever. <laughs> it's all been like those parts are easy almost. I would say the big moments well, are almost easier. I think you bring up a good point, though. And I think that's what helps me in our relationship is I thoroughly, completely, 100% trust Kyle. Mm-hmm. And he trusts me and he treats me with respect. And I see that in both of your marriages as well. I think where this scripture gets hard is when someone's a jerk, you mm-hmm. know, on either side, right? Mm-hmm. You know, of just and and if that trust is 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 cracked in some way, that makes that's where I think it makes scriptures like this more difficult yes. to really understand how to do that. So I think that trust piece is is huge because that that's so critical to those big decisions do seem easy yes. because of that, I think. And oh, I think I agree. It's easy correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, okay? It's easy to follow somebody if they're leading well, right? Yeah. Right? It's it's like you, again, the way I perceive some of the most mature Christian women in my life is that they're willing and ready to follow the, their husband or the male leadership in their church if they're leading in a direction that is biblical and is Christ-like and is humble and is loving and sub- mutually submissive, right? But it's when I, when I don't, right, when I ignore you because I think a lot of husbands again correct me if I'm wrong husbands or wives they can find themselves a great woman and they realize how solid they are they don't have to worry and then that leads to what apathy a lot of times right it leads to apathy and then eventually that leads to a wife becoming resentful okay you're not caring for me you're not loving me you're not pursuing me and therefore how could you think that I want to be intimate with you and now a divide happens yeah. It's like, hey, wait, how did this happen? We we are a good, a great couple. We're strong. We both love the Lord. But now all of a sudden we've woken up after a few years and we're not close. And nothing specifically happened. There wasn't like a an affair or um, some extreme thing that happened. It's just over time when apathy squeaks its way in there, it begins to create um, a divide. I think that I see that a lot in marriages. And I think that would is what I could be prone to at times is not pursuing Debbie the way I should. Um, if I'm just because I'm the leader doesn't mean I get to kind of sit back and watch everyone else well, row the boat. And that's what's so great about when Debbie says, I'll follow you wherever you go. Like you're our leader. What's great about that is it that puts a responsibility on your shoulders. Sure. When a wife when a wife does that, when they when they say, Hey, you you are my leader, you're my spiritual leader, you're the leader of our household, we're gonna follow you. Man, that's a big that's a big burden, and a, and a burden in a good way, in a, in a sanctifying way. I mean, that's that is uh, when I know she's going to follow me anywhere. Like I want to lead her to the right places, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this there's this beautiful way that submission and leadership they rely on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also want to add with that that in all the decisions, like big moves we've made and different things, that has never been like, you didn't come home and say, hey, Debbie, Jim Johnson called today, offered me a job at Sunnybrook, we're moving to Stillwater. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, you didn't come in and like dictate this to me. Yeah. Like, we, we, you can't, you called, wanted to know my thoughts. We prayed about it, like for weeks, like it was, we sought out wisdom. And in the end, like if, and thankfully, like, I'm so thankful that we've been united on that. Like in all these decisions, the Lord has been very, like we've been very united in, and yes, we're supposed to go or no, we're supposed to stay whenever that is. And, um, but 
anyways, but in that, like, you've come to me, you've welcomed me in those conversations. But in the end, like, I do, I, I trust you that, okay, this is where the Lord is leading you and us as our family, and so we will go. But I'm thankful that that isn't like a, here it is, Sure. we're off. Like, yes. in, in, I'm not you, telling you what we're doing necessarily. Yes. Like, if you were in sin... Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you were in sin, then there's a time where I have done that, <laughs> like in a loving like, way. <laughs> here's <laughs> here's what we're changing. Yes. But it's it's there is a, a mutual benefit of you know, you're a, you're ultimately a Christian sister, right? This mm-hmm. is where back in the day the early Christians got in trouble from the Romans because the Romans thought they were incestual. Wait, they like love their their siblings. They're like marrying their brothers and sisters. That's gross. That's weird. No, it's because. They saw themselves ultimately as children of God. We're going to spend eternity with each other as as brother and sisters worshiping our, and living amongst directly with our Father, right? And and I've been charged with this caring for and this nurturing you to wholeness and maturity. And, and that's a huge honor and responsibility, just like you were mm-hmm. saying, and it, it spurs us forward. Um, so the reason, yeah. Kyle. I was just going to say one of the challenges that comes to mind as we're sitting here talking, um, several have said, oh, it came from two-parent loving household, maybe divorce, but still some some good parenting mm-hmm. going on there. And I'm not sure I'm equipped. And so I may pose this to you all is, and somebody may be listening, oh, it's easy for you. You grew up in church, had mm-hmm. two loving parents, um, mm-hmm. good role models, good pastors along the way, good teachers. Of course you can do this, mm-hmm. but it, how do I do that if I'm in a relationship that's abusive, if I have a spouse who's financially irresponsible, who is just not a good parent? How do I either lead that person or how do I follow that person mm-hmm. when I would not follow them anywhere because they're going to take us off the cliff? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, and I, I don't know that I have the answer. I mean, the, as, as, as Jim Johnson said one time in church, the – the answer to every question is Jesus. So uh, certainly that's the answer, but in the day-to-day, how do we get there kind of thing? Sure. That's hard. The reality mm-hmm. is you're at a disadvantage, right? It, re- recognize your cards. You've been dealt a bad hand, and that doesn't mean like, okay, now you got to bluff your way through to try and manipulate your way into a victory in life. No, it's recognize your hand, and you've got to change some things up in a radical way. Like you probably need to, number one, Obviously, submit yourself to Jesus, right? The gospel is ultimately what changes us. We believe that. And God renewing us, our spirit and our mind, and can use our difficult and even dark past to create good in us and through us, right? So acknowledging that first. But then, hey, you might need counseling, (laughs) some serious counseling for a long time. Hey, if you're going to get married to another broken person (laughs) who has baggage, Mm -hmm. you need to do premarital counseling. And then when you get married, you're going to need to do marital counseling because guess what? Everyone does. Even people who come from two good homes needed good premarital counseling that was really hard. And still need And like, still, still need counseling. marital <laughs> yes. counseling that's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think recognizing that. We talk a lot at Sunnybrook about recognizing your spiritual condition and then helping people grow in their spiritual maturity, right? I mean, take that to the lower level recognizing your condition and then helping people mature. So recognize the family you had. Recognize if you have abuse in your background or if you have neglect in your background, if you have divorce or terrible parenting or whatever, and know that that will be a huge obstacle. It's going to create problems in almost every area of your life, right? 
I, Kyle, I think of the same thing, and I because I work with victims of abuse in my job, and I've seen this these type of verses just taken out of context and twisted and perverted in ways that that make me want to cry as a believer. And so, I when we have these conversations, I feel that that weight of people who might listen. And when when Jim preaches on these things, I can hear through that lens too of who who might take this out of context mm-hmm. because. I've seen it done, and it is harmful and hurtful. And so, I think that's important to bring up, and important to speak to those people too, who, um, who may be in marriages or relationships where this is taken out of context. Yeah, and that's sure. just important to acknowledge. So, the verses we're kind of directly talking about come from First Corinthians eleven. We've been going through Corinthians as a church for some time now, and Jim just a couple weeks ago hit on that difficult text um, from the first half of. Corinthians 11, so 1 Corinthians 11. So what were some of your reflections while hearing that message? Um, you know, how have you responded since then? Did you have to change any of your thinking? Did it you know, help you in your view and when you deal with people? Um, obviously, there's a lot of, I would say, spiritual maturity here. So maybe you were already pretty orthodox in your view, and there wasn't a ton of changing or drastic change, but Anytime truth is presented, we're called to respond in some way. So what did you either take away, highlight, or um, what are some important things you want people to know out of 1 Corinthians 11? What I appreciated, especially when Jim preached on it, was the reminder of um, that this order was created. It's God's plan. It's his purpose. And there is, there's some beauty to that mm-hmm. order mm-hmm. Uh, in our lives. And being open to hearing that was was such a good reminder. And and I, I like the fact that we were created as man and woman differently. doesn't mean one better than the other. We're just yes. different yes. And, and we're gifted in both. And um, so I think that appreciation really was a, a good reminder and it reminded me of that obedience that not only do I need to submit to that obedience, but do it with a joyful heart. Um, if I only if I just find joy in doing that, it's about joy of not pleasing Kyle as much as I want to do that as his wife, but it, I want to find joy in pleasing God and, and that, that when I am obedient to that, um, that it brings glory to God and, and it, it helps Kyle in, as well in our marriage. And um, so I, I think that joy part is important because I could submit, I could obey and just, you know, respect that authority. But if I do it wrongly, that resentment grows that you mentioned, Justin. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it was just a good reminder that we're created differently, not one better than the other, but just um, out of God's design and plan, and, and that my respecting that authority needs to be done with a joyful heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stephen, what would you take away, 1 Corinthians 11? Uh, well, I mean, I tend, and I can be a very black and white person. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just how my mind works. There's a right and there's a wrong. I don't leave a lot of room for gray in my mind. And mm. so it's funny. I, I sat down with Jim close to a year ago, and we had uh, a number of things to talk about. Um, and this chapter was one of the ones I had on my agenda for him because I had mm. just read 1 Corinthians 11. I'm like, what do I do with this whole head covering thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, w- where, I mean, where do we get to draw the line between prescriptive and descriptive, right? Yes. We talk about that a lot at Sunnybrook. What, what is the text telling me to do, and what is it just describing as happening in that culture in that time mm-hmm. to a specific audience? And so... Um, when I sat down with Jim, we actually talked about everything else on my list. And at the very end, he had to go. He was running late for a meeting. And uh, uh, I was like, oh, by the way, head coverings. 
And he's like, uh, yeah, well, uh, okay, well, let's talk about that sometime, you know. Uh, and so for Maybe the last 2018, right, right. So for about the last year, I've kind of been sitting on this whole head coverings thing, and I and um, you know, I don't have the best recall from um, you know, short term memory, but I, I remember sitting and listening to his sermon and just thinking, okay, like this makes a little more sense now. Uh, there is some uh, descriptive aspect to this, but there's also some prescriptive, sure. you know, and uh, you know. Mel just talked about a little bit about how men um, can take a text like this and make it all about themselves, right? Mm. And that's that's dangerous. Um, but he he mentions here that um, uh, in eleven, uh, after he goes through talking about who's the head of who, right? And he talks a lot about woman came for man, and, he, and in verse eleven it says, nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. And so, so we we sometimes skip that second part, like nor man of woman. Um, for as woman was made from man, now he says, so man is now born of a woman, mm-hmm. right? So he kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Uh, and then he says, all things are from God. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, Paul never really preaches this, um, this masculine theology or, you know, that, that men are better or greater than women. Uh, but just like Rebecca said, like there are, like God has created men and women for roles and, and responsibilities that glorify him. Yes. Um, and I think this text does a good job of, of um, kind of illustrating those um, through the whole, the cultural head covering deal. But, um, uh, but for me, the takeaway is stop focusing so much on not, not that, not that it's doesn't, it isn't worth my attention and time, but don't just let the pendulum swing so far to the, the gender barrier, but look at what the context of the text is saying, uh, which it really puts men and women on a neutral playing field, which plays out in our marriage. Um, she is our CEO at home. Like she she manages our our um, groceries. You know, I call her I call her my little home manager because I mean I, the house would not run without her, mm-hmm. uh, and she does such a good job leading our children um, and, and even setting an example for me um, and what leadership looks like. Uh, and so, um, yes, there is this um, theological spiritual. I don't even want to call it a hierarchy, but just like set of uh, a set of roles and responsibilities. But um, we're on a level playing field. Um, you know, First Thessalonians four three says, "For this is the will of God, your sanctification." Mm-hmm. Right. And so, as as men, as, as as spiritual leaders, that's what we're called to is our family sanctification. Right. Mm-hmm. And in chapter five, Paul takes a step further and says, "Rejoice always, pray continuously, and give thanks." You know. And um, she does a great job of being optimistic and thankful and rejoiceful <laughs> in all situations. And I'm a complainer. Like, I, I complain <laughs> about so much. Um, I've tried to institute and train him with a Debbie Downer noise. <laughs> yeah, oh, she goes, wah, nice. wah. Yes. <laughs> and it, like, every day. And it's like this constant, okay, I am a complainer. Um, <laughs> it's worked. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I seem gross. She's also, by the way, if you didn't catch it earlier, she's a marriage and family therapist. So, um, you know, she gets yes. in my head sometimes. No pressure. No pressure, no pressure there. Pressure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm right. actually, that means I'm a perfect wife, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, Kyle mentioned some people don't come from two parent families and such, right? And, and marriage could be hard. Marriage can even be hard when you're married to a marriage expert. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love my wife, but sometimes she knows too much, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But, but a part of my leadership role is, is submitting to her knowledge and her education in some of these things. Like, she knows so much about child development, mm-hmm. so much about communication and, and just things that really, I mean, I did not grow up that was not modeled for me. I do not know. I didn't study it. I don't know the research. Uh, and she and she does it. So part of my, my role as a leader is to submit 
to my wife in some of these things and learn from her. Right, right. Because because I love her and I trust her. Uh, and there is that, um, I, you know, we are called to love our wives like like Christ has loved the church, right? And so I look at my wife and sometimes it's hard to admit like, okay, I'm getting this wrong and she's got it right. Yeah. Uh, but that's part of leadership too is humility and, and servanthood. Sure. I loved how Jim talked about how like we will be the first to acknowledge that the church, like the big C church has gotten this wrong before. Yeah. Right. People have used the scriptures for their own agenda mm-hmm. to be a domineering man or to belittle women in a way that shows that, yes, there's a distinction in role and you're worth less. Right. You are worth less than a man, which is not true. You won't find that in the scripture. Um, but now it's like, so if the pendulum was over there where it becomes abuse or domineering, which we still see at times, right? Oh, you sure. You see more than most. Um, the pendulum overall in our culture swinging the other way, right? Where now there's no distinction between man and woman because if there's any distinction that remember how like the values are different. So we don't want the values to be different. So there is no man or woman. You can be X or you can be it or truly there's Mm -hmm. no, there's no such thing as a gender role. There's no such thing as gender, right? Because we want everyone to be on a level playing field, which has its, repercussions that we're going to continue to see um, in our culture and in our churches. Um, but I love our, our, our call is to remember how God set things in order. He ordained this to look a certain way, and that does not me- diminish the value or the worth of any single individual. It shows that God has a plan, and when we function within that plan, it's going to go well for us. It's not abuse. It's not apathy. It's not domineering. It's not um, any type of um, misuse of that. So, um, what else? Any any closing remarks? Closing thoughts? Uh, either from First Corinthians eleven, um, or just something you want to send away our people with. And thinking of mutual submission, just like maybe an, a concrete example that's come to mind as we've been talking to bigger conversations we've had lately are about the how far we want to space out our children and their ages. And that's mm. one that really I feel like Stephen compromised more on that, more towards my end. And then another conversation we had recently, which was a pretty big conversation about me wanting to take our kids and go visit my family. And just because of logistics, Stephen wasn't going to be able to come. And that I feel like I compromised more on that end of, okay, well, I won't go visit my family now. That's okay. Um, but it's it was not a matter, it didn't feel like this big um, issue of leadership or submission. There wasn't a moment where it felt like, uh, I am submitting to you and your <laughs> desires or wishes. So I think that may just be a, some words and a concrete example of some things where that's come up for us to where we're mutually submitting to one another. Yeah, kind of just looks like life eventually, mm-hmm. hopefully. If yes. you do this the right way, it begins to kind of just be normal. And yes. It's not a me versus you. It's not a me over you. It's a, we're working with the spirit in one direction. And sometimes that looks this way or that way. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a good reminder, this whole discussion in that my ultimate responsibility is to Jesus, right? So if my role, if, if it's to be the leader, spiritual leader is to do what I'm called to do biblically and not get in a uh, contest with my, well, she didn't do this, so I'm not going to treat her this Mm. way. Mm. Even when one of us messes up, the other is called to perform that role 
uh, through obedience to Jesus, not because that's what um, a spouse in that spousal relationship is supposed to do, because it's easy to, I think, to um, fall into that, uh, not competition, but um, I don't have to do this because you didn't do your part. Keeping a scorecard is how I've heard it said before, is I've got two tallies, you need to catch up to where I am, or well, I'm not doing the dishes today because you haven't vacuumed in four months, right? Right. Silly examples, but, you know, I, I bet there's a lot of people out there who would say, I never saw Dad ever pick up a dish, or I never saw Dad ever pick up a vacuum. I, I never saw Dad do anything except for go to work, sit on the couch, eat the food that was cooked for him, right? And so there's some of this where it's like, okay, we're taking down some of those preconceived, more cultural ideas of the traditional family, and saying, okay, it doesn't make you a man or woman who does the dishes, right? It doesn't make you a man or a woman who does the vacuuming. It's, a, it's something greater, okay? It's, it's something deeper, much more rich than those everyday mundane things, which I'm willing to help with, right? Um, sure. So, uh, Deb? I was thinking um, multiple people have kind of said things that made my thought go here, but I uh, – we laugh about this. I've done like the love dare like a couple times and have made it like <laughs> halfway through. Tell them what this time. is. Please tell them what this is. Anyways, um, oh, the love dare is like yes. the book from, oh, it's from that movie about some cheesy fireproof. Movie. Like, anyways, yeah. it's a Christian movie, and I, I'm i a sucker for <laughs> cheesy Christian music, movies. Incredible well, acting, all, by the way. Yeah, oh. not so awesome, but I, oh. anyways, <laughs> I think we need I a love podcast on that. Actually. Okay. <laughs> anyways, so, um, but they have this. Anyways, the, hus- the husband does this love dare that his dad gives him for 40 days. He um, puts his wife first in a lot of different ways, but seeks the Lord and puts his wife, serves his wife in different ways, and some subtle, some big. And so it's just this love dare. Every day you do a certain thing, and that could be one day. Um, I remember one that literally has changed the dynamic in our home for the long term is the way we greet Justin when he walks in the door. And we don't, not every day it's 100%, but one of the days was literally like, Think about how you greet them and then change it today. And so we we will go to the door. Like we went to meet him. I, when I hear him, see him pull up, I'm like, all right, kids, dad's home. Like, and I wanted us to come up and greet him. So it is like a sweet moment. And, um, and we might have had a hard day, but hey, we're still going to go greet dad. Or he might have a hard day. We're going to go greet dad. Anyways, and that has changed from that book. So I'm thankful for that. But my point in that is the book really made me shift from um, me world to like, okay, him and I always think like when both spouses are putting the other like the Lord seeking the Lord first and then serving each other and putting the other person's needs before their own your marriage thrives like when I'm putting Justin before me on a daily basis which I do not do well every day but when I am our marriage is thriving and and that is hard and, and especially if someone's continually like to to be whether it's struggling with something or something I think of the power of continuing to seek Jesus and serve and love, and that might take a long time for some people. Like I, I can think of couples and um, a sweet friend that that has been a long time. She's faithfully done that, and one and you know this is a big example of husband not knowing the Lord, but like continue to seek the Lord, doing this, serve Him, and and I believe like this man has seen Jesus, and I mean I know he's seen her, mm-hmm. him and her, and so my encouragement to those who are in different places than we are, there's so much power in that, and. And, and continuing to seek the Lord and, and serve your spouse. And that might be really hard in some circumstances, I understand. But to, to serve and put their needs in front of your own. And I, when I do that every day, well, when I, I don't do that every day. But when I do that well, I see a difference in our marriage. And he, in turn, 
yeah. does the same thing back. And I don't, and not to do it mm-hmm. for that, but it's, and when he is doing that for me, when he is serving me daily, I'm like, oh, it makes me want to serve him better. And so, and when he is, when I see him daily seeking Jesus, it makes me want to seek Jesus more. And so I think that that is powerful more than um, other things, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, in closing, I think it'd be just an encouragement of mine to seek the people of God. Okay, surround yourself with wise, mature people who have done this well. You recognize, okay, they've got something or they've figured something out that I struggle with. Okay, seek those people out. Seek out an Eastham's. Seek out an Oliver's. Okay, our staff. Our, we have marriage mentors at Sunnybrook who they have been trained specifically to help people, whether you're really struggling and really like at a bad place or just you want to meet with somebody and talk through how to continue to grow as a couple. Um, we've got those in place, and we, we want to connect you with those. Also, obviously, submitting to the Word of God. We all have ideas of our own that need to be put under the text to let God transform our mind and our hearts to allow us to have a better view of who He is um, and a better view of people around us, especially our spouses. And also, people of God, Word of God, yeah, that Spirit of God. Okay, you've got to um, have those things in your life where you're pursuing the Lord listening, quieting yourself so that he can convict me to say, Justin, you were wrong when you did this to Debbie. You were wrong in how you treated your children. You were wrong in how you abused the leadership that I've given you, the responsibilities that I've given you. Um, All of us have those moments, no matter where we're at in our journey. So um, we thank you for listening with us. Thanks again, Eastums Oliver, for being here. Deb, great work. And always thank you for helping us out, Steve Broadway.